Hey, you've made it to Sprayspace, where people managing social media accounts come for community. This year, our focus is social media for good. Together, we can work to make social media a landscape for healthy online communities to grow. Sound good? Then come along with us on the Sprayspace podcast, where we share what we know, learn what we don't, and strive to make social media better for us all. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sprayspace podcast. I'm Lacey, and today we've got two people here with us. We've got Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Hello. And we've also got another special guest that I'd like to introduce you to. So we are wrapping up this month of Women's History Month with our focus on women using social media to organize for good. And our last episode of the month is with Erica Lolive, Loliev, Loliev, Lolive. She married That's a it, French guy. It. We're doing our best. <laughs> <laughs> Erica is the founder of Kids for Sale. Now that's S-A-I-L, in case you were worried. Um, it's a worldwide community of full-time part-time and dreamtime sailing families and her goal is to inspire encourage and support the community of sailing families as they explore the world by boat um, she's done this pretty effectively so far as she's gained a community of about 5700 members in her Facebook group that's a lot of people also through her Instagram feed and her podcast so Erica welcome welcome to the price space pod thank you for having me how are you doing today I am good Warm. I'm sitting next to a heater. Mm, that's so, good. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's cold so outside, but warm in here. Before we get into our first question, I just want to quickly kind of make the connection. So those of you who have been listening for a while, you know Rachel and her and her family live on a, a boat. And so, Rachel, you were the one who actually brought Erica to us. So can you explain real quick the connection between you two? Yeah, so I... Um really met Erica. Well, I joined her Facebook group like five years ago when we were looking for our boat to move on to buy and move on to. And I found her Facebook group, joined up and, you know, benefited immensely from the community she that she has built there. Uh, I didn't really meet Erica. I mean, I've never met her in person, but I didn't really like connect with her until just a couple of years ago when she actually had me on her podcast when we were getting ready to leave Portland on our boat. I think I was the second episode of the Kids for Sale podcast, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's, it's it's been a pretty fun um, journey since then. All right, well, we'll get into all of that a little bit more as we go. Thank you for setting the stage for us, Rachel. Um, Erica, my first question that I ask everybody as they come on, uh, our whole focus is social media for good. So trying to create an environment of people using social media and the platforms within social media for good, okay? And one of the ways that, that can be good is by sparking joy in us. So tell me, is there any piece of social media content that you've taken in throughout the last little while that has brought you joy? So yeah, just recently, seeing my cousin's daughter dressed in a tutu, three Aww. tutus. So my <laughs> sister, my cousin, and I are kind of the rough and tumble types yet all of our daughters are into pink and sparkles and gowns and tutus and we don't know where this comes from but the universe is giggling and at the very least the rest of my family is so it always <laughs> makes me laugh to see them going through the same thing I went through oh I love so, that yeah isn't it, isn't it so nice <laughs> that's always whenever we talk to people um, one of the first things people will say that spark joy is some sort of connection that they have with family or friends from far away. And, and 
I just, I hope that people as they continue to use social media can keep that in mind when they get on social media. If that's our purpose, if that's our goal is to connect with the people that we love, you know, we can probably be a bit more healthy on there. Absolutely. I'm totally into the family and friends. And uh, and that's really what my main focus is when I use social media. So let's go into Kids for Sale a little bit, okay? So you've got this 5,700 member Facebook group. Tell me when you started it. Tell me why you started it. Give me a little background. The background is we started living on our boat in 2006. We had our daughter in 2009 and we left for cruising in 2010. And at that time when we left, trying to find playdates and people for my daughter to, and kids for my daughter to, kids for my daughter to play with really, and but people for the parents to converse with while on the go is extremely difficult. And the only thing that was available then was like clubs like SSCA or OCC or Yahoo groups, you know, mm. and they're not exactly organized into, you really had to weed through who had kids and who didn't. Um, so it really wasn't easy to work with in that frame. So just before we left, or it could be basically the week that we did leave, in case I needed something more to do, um, we started, <laughs> I started uh, Kids for Sale. Um, but it wasn't on Facebook. I first tried it on Ning, um, which is kind of like a social networking site there in the beginning. That didn't really work out so well. Nobody really wants to log out of one thing and into another. So we mm -hmm. tried to... Um, go to just the website and then use the back end of a website as kind of a social area. Um, I still have the website. I kind of use it to store curricula and um, podcasts and my where to buy the flags and links of maps and all sorts of things there. But again, people don't want to log out and log back in. So in 2013, July of 2013, I started Kids for Sale on Facebook. So that was about eight years ago. And Rachel, funny thing is you'll see the connection here, uh, Women Who Sail was started on December of that same year. Mm. So we all kind of, by Charlotte, and Charlotte and I were parents back then traveling with our kids. So the two very large sites that we use for information and sailing and connecting with people um, were both started around that same time. Yeah, both of those Facebook groups are enormous now. Yeah, yeah. So that one's very big. We're more niche. It's not like everybody cruises with families. <laughs> okay, so one of the things that I found the most interesting as I did some research listening to your podcasts and hearing you talk a little bit more here is that the primary thing that you're really getting out of this is this connection, right? You said at any given time, there are I want to say you said like a thousand, but I wasn't sure if that's right. Like a thousand sailing families across the world. Did I pull that data out of somewhere? There's probably more than a thousand. Okay. Um, yeah. Probably more, closer to two. Okay. Probably double that. Yeah. A lot of people will travel quietly. Uh, the whole purpose is to be off the <laughs> grid there. So what I was trying to think about is in the past, you know, prior to social media and this kind of thing, how did people even stay connected at all? You know, is how how much has this opened up the world of sailing families for having a more connected experience through the use of these social media platforms? A lot. So it definitely helps the connection. So when I started, so in 2010, so that was like 11 years ago that I left now, the world was very different in terms of cruising and cruising families, how many of us were out there, which was not very many at all, um, as far as we knew. 
you know, um, mm-hmm. because that social component wasn't there. Um, so it really opens people's eyes to that, you know, it can be done. Um, and a lot of people are doing it more than they usually think. And it kind of sparks a dream. Rachel, tell me from your perspective, what has it meant for you as you've worked on getting yourself and your family ready and you've been living aboard for as long as you have and you're preparing to cruise? What has this this group and this community meant for you personally? This group and all of the Facebook groups that I'm in, uh, in regard to sailing and cruising have been invaluable, absolutely invaluable. Um, I mean, that question that you just asked Erica, like, how would people even connect outside of Facebook? It's like, uh, you run a flag up on your mast for people to (laughs) like, literally, you sail into an anchorage and look for a flag that maybe you recognize, or you just get and you anchor and you look on the beach. Like literally your eyesight is yeah. like your connection. You would literally look for bikes. So 10 years wow. ago, we would look for bikes on boats and we would look for diapers hanging on lifelines. And that was the <laughs> cue that there were kids on board. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I can't imagine like trying to connect, like doing it without the Facebook groups would be so daunting for me because I have always had this Facebook group now. And she does this, you know, monthly roll call. And every month we can keep track of who is in our area and even kind of adjoining areas because we'll also say like what our upcoming plans are. And so just to have this already built up community of people and families is just amazing beyond words. A lot of people, when you decide that you're going to go cruising or you announce to your family and friends that you're going to go live on a sailboat and sail (laughs) away from the world, they're like, what are you doing? How are your kids going to have any friends? You know, that's like one of the biggest concerns is socialization for your kids and schooling. Mm -hmm. And Kids for Sale addresses both of those things because like, you can connect with other families, know who's in the area, and there's just this huge resource of people already doing it and people dreaming of doing it, people in the research, like in all of the phases of doing it, and everybody is willing to help. So it's just... I I could not even imagine doing it without these Facebook groups. Erica, when you started the group, did you imagine that it would get to this size and have this impact on people like it does on Rachel? Absolutely not. Nope. I just started it. Um, It was obviously a cheeky day for me. I probably, (laughs) you know, she was around one, maybe 18 months old, (laughs) perhaps in a bad mood and kids for sale it was. And it was just a local thing down the U.S. East Coast, and it wasn't supposed to. In fact, it's kids for sale so that it wouldn't have been big. Um, (laughs) So people would see it and be like, "Mm, no. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I mean, all in all, I'm glad that it's helping a lot of people, and and I don't mind that at all. but uh, yeah, so so in the beginning, no, that was not my intention. My intention was small and somewhat local, U.S. East Coast, and um, and and then things happened. Isn't it funny how a lot of times the things that we do that end up having the biggest impact on other people are the things that we do out of necessity for ourselves? You know, 
you you yeah. needed you needed a solution to this as you were living this lifestyle and so you did what you could to provide a solution for yourself without even really understanding the ripple of impact that it could have on so many other families wanting to do something so similar. I think that's beautiful. I didn't actually really use, this is the funny part, is that I haven't really used it, <laughs> personally. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> when I created Kids Per Se, it was obviously very small and it was very hard still to get <laughs> in touch with people. Not until I got home and, um, you know, back to my home port, you know, and have it let sit there for a while did anything build. Um, so, and I haven't been out since. I haven't been cruising since, although I do live in my boat. We do cruise locally. So we do actually see some kids for sale members every once in a while who cruise through. But other than that, I don't actually use any of the resources. <laughs> so your poor daughter, Lucy, who it was made for, gets none of the benefit. You're telling none me. None of it. <laughs> no, another way to find kids to play with is to hit up the locals. <laughs> and that's what we did mostly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I see you educate about that, too, throughout the content that you're putting out. So one thing that I'm wondering is, you know, OK, there's now a stadium worth of people who are a part of your community. What are some of the challenges that come up with you being responsible for basically moderating this community? I know you've got a couple of other admins or moderators who work with you, but what are some of the, the challenges of leading a stadium full of people who live on boats who also have children? <laughs> <laughs> so I one of the challenges, and this is why I have three moderators, is because everybody's always traveling. So if I'm out on the boat, it's I might not have internet. So I need backup. Uh, for example, one of the moderators crossed the Atlantic. So they're a month gone, right? So two step up. Um, right now, one just went from Guatemala to Honduras. She was offline for a while. So two others step up. Um, we're also in different time zones a lot of the time. So, um, you know, when you're talking about such a global group, that can sometimes have its challenges. But having three moderators, at least, definitely makes that easier. But do you want big challenges? Do you want little ones? What are you yeah, looking I want, for here? We had, some, we had a pretty good challenge recently. <laughs> give me some big ones. Let's hear. I mean, that's that's the meat I want. Give me the tea. <laughs> well, I'll skip over what recently happened. But honestly, the biggest challenge that we have on Kids for Sale recently in the last couple of years is the YouTube culture. Mm. Mm -hmm. So a little bit of that social media kind of biting back a little bit. Um, I wrote something so I wouldn't be harsh. <laughs> So, <laughs> I'll read it. YouTube definitely inspires many and opens eyes to bring a dream to life. It's great for how-tos and DIYs. There are cruising families out there doing it and videoing it, and there are millions of people watching that. And it creates hope and possibility that things like that can happen, and you can get off your couch and actually do this and explore this. So it kind of sparks that dream, YouTube mm. does. But it isn't what is in the movies. Mm. So mm -hmm. you can watch YouTube and watch the 20-foot seas and watch the engines going down and watch the plumbing issues and watch sails getting blown out and watch all of these things, but you're only just watching it. And you can say, yeah, that doesn't really look like I, you know, I'm glad that wasn't me. But 
in reality, that's a very, very different experience. So people feel like they could be like, oh yeah, I'm adventurous. <laughs> I'm all for the 20 foot seas. That, they're fine. They're all set. Um, but again, it's not reality. Mm-hmm. So recently we've gone, you know, like t- let's say 10, eight, 10 years ago, it was more about let's get experience first. Let's learn engine mechanics. Let's learn to be an electrician, a plumber, a weatherman, um, a rigging specialist, batteries, immigration. Like, let's learn all of these things first, like Rachel's doing, and spending time in kind of a home area, learning the boat, fixing the boat, learning family dynamics on a boat while cruising, which is very different, and then go. Now, it's the opposite. Mm. They see it done on YouTube, so why can't I? And they jump on a boat, and let's just learn while doing. And that's fine, because you can only truly learn things while you do them, but there's no basics. There's no foundation of knowledge there, so it turns something that doesn't have to be stressful into a very stressful and potentially dangerous situation. And the more stress families are under in situations like that, they're not going to have a very good time and generally plans will end. Um, So, and we hate to see that happen. Um, So there is a very fairy tale look at cruising and it's not like that in reality. You know, the highs are high and the lows are low. Um, And I can't stress that enough to the new ones that are wanting to go there. And even in Kids for Sale, I'd love to stress that more. I just don't know how without being negative. I'm very positive. I like to put it in a positive fashion. Uh, That's the biggest challenge right now um, and a big culture change within the community. And along with the YouTube stuff... Now you have everybody that wants to make money with their YouTube videos Mm -hmm. and wants clicks and likes and followers and wants to make moolah. Now they want to promote on Kids for Sale. So now you have to change the rules to make sure not everybody is promoting themselves because it's a community, Mm -hmm. not just for one. And um, so the YouTube culture is making, making things, you know, more difficult. Rachel, do you see that within that community as well? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know how many um, couples or it's not, I don't see it nearly so much with families because I think they're just so busy uh, with their kids anyway. (laughs) But um, couples for sure, people will come onto the groups and like the first thing they're asking about is what kind of video camera they should have, you know, how to be safe. So, yeah, I mean, that's not something that I had really thought about before, Erica, but I could definitely see what you mean. It's a back-end thing. We we feel it back here as moderators. and An absolute it's... shift in, in the yeah. culture. So that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, I think I definitely see what you mean. Uh, and it would be interesting to, like, kind of try to tamp down some of the enthusiasm for doing YouTube and for getting followers and people to like your stuff without crushing their dream. Mm-hmm. How it's do you a big the dream? How do you separate the dream of being a YouTube star of just 
going on a boat and exploring the world. I mean, maybe they that maybe that's what they need is to like really look at it and and be like, what is your dream? Are you really what What, what are your priorities? Like, or um... you know, fill your account with and those likes and follows. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I don't I don't see them as like nasty people. I think that their main dream is to get out there and do it. And they might love photography or videography. So maybe they just think that's the way that they're going to make money because perhaps, well, there's really two families that <laughs> make enough really to <laughs> to support their perhaps <laughs> support themselves. <laughs> but and both of families have been at it for a, a very long time. Um so I think it becomes another dream. But anyway, it's this promotion, this self-promotion of everybody look at me because I'm doing something special, but you're within a group that everybody's doing it. So <laughs> it's, you know, so we've had to definitely adjust. We call it SPF on um, Kids for Sale, Self-Promote Fridays. And mm. for many, many, many years, every Friday, I would allow anybody to just self-promote. You can mm -hmm. drop a link to what you're doing on your blog, on your vlog, on your whatever og you've got going on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like so. And I encouraged it because it helped people, and I'm all about helping people and helping members. Um, but now, like I said, that YouTube culture kind of kicked in, and we've had to. I've been messing with the rules a little bit, and we've had to adjust. So now we're just one thread per month and you have to post under that thread and mm. people do try to take advantage. You made me think just now when you're like whatever kind of aug. I was like, wait a minute. I wonder <laughs> if that comes all the way back from like actual like seafaring your captain's log. Is that what turned into a blog and a vlog is like the captain's log? I think good it questions. Is. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Okay, so one thing that, honestly, it doesn't have to do with social media exactly, but I thought after listening to your content that I really wanted to kind of understand a little bit more about it is I heard you almost in passing say um, to someone on your podcast, the ocean makes us who we are. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Personally, it is what we live by. Even living at the dock like I do right now. We are, you know, I don't want to take groceries the ramp when it's low tide. I prefer high tide because my ramp is seriously steep. <laughs> if somebody drives by in their boat and causes a wake, we can hear the propellers and know whose boat it is. We live by the ocean, it's our backyard, so we aren't having picnics in the grass. We are taking the dinghy to islands and we are hunting for crabs. It basically rounds out our life. It also teaches you serious lessons um, that no life on land could ever teach you. I, it's a big question that you ask, um, and it is, I live and breathe and eat the ocean. I always have. I grew up on the water. Um, my grandfather lived in his boat, my father. It just is. I could never live in a place away from the water. I talk sometimes about how how much I enjoy being outside because I feel like when I go outside and I look up at the sky, um, all of a sudden I'm reminded 
like, oh, girl, you got inside problems. <laughs> you know, like whatever's going on in your life, girl, those are inside problems. It's just, it's endless and it's breathless. It's like, it's exactly like you said, it's looking up into the stars, but it's also looking out over the water that just never ends. And you are so insignificant and everything you do, you must think about in terms of the ocean and the weather. And um, it's... You know, we don't take anything for granted living this lifestyle. And I think that's really rewarding. I think that's one of the more rewarding things about doing this type of lifestyle. One thing that I also thought was was really interesting when we're thinking about how much we have to think about when living this lifestyle is um, your most recent episode where you talked about stuff basically mm -hmm. and like I see both of you just grinning because <laughs> I, because stuff is like one of your biggest it's got to be one of your biggest focuses when you're living on a little boat with a with a family of people tell me about how you think about stuff and how you make decisions about stuff when you are are constrained in the way that you are and it takes so much thought I love to throw things away. <laughs> I love to donate things. I, I'm a little different in most people, uh, mainly because maybe just because I've been living on boats for so long. But I don't have connections to stuff. Um, my memories can be based on something small, not something large. So specifically from that podcast, I was talking about like my little. I have a little goose thing that I use as a hook and right now it's actually hanging in my pajamas so every <laughs> night and every morning I can think of my grandma goose and that's all I have for my grandma goose um, in terms of stuff but it sparks so many memories for me I just have little things um, and I'm not even attached to those things it's more about the pictures and the memories for me um, if there are big things that I've wanted in the past, I'll just take a picture if, you know, if it really meant something or if it was an inherited piece that usually it means something to other people, not necessarily me. So I'll take that picture and keep it forever <laughs> <laughs> and um, donate it onto a family that would love it just as much as, you know, my grandma did. So which is also very meaningful to me. Um, so, yeah, you have to be willing to part with stuff. Um, and it can be difficult and challenging to do. And it's very an emotional thing um, to do for a lot of people. Rachel, it's really hard for the kids uh, to give up their stuff. Callie, my daughter, will keep a rock and like... <laughs> Like this specific rock, she knows exactly where it came from. She knows, you know, the story behind it. And heaven forbid that rock be gone one day because I got frustrated that there was another rock under my feet and I threw it off of the boat. <laughs> Me about it and be like, where's my rock? I'd like freak out. And I'm like, it was just a rock. You can get another rock. <laughs> I mean, literally, like, they'll keep wrappers of things and so we have to like go in and i'm the same way as you erica i don't get attached to stuff i'm like i love getting rid of stuff it's such a great feeling <laughs> cling to their things and it's so hard for them i have finally i think started to get them be okay with taking photos of things um i'm trying to like 
nurture that in them and like well, let's take a photo of it and i'm gonna like you know set up just a file on my computer desktop that they can go and look at whenever they want to and look at their pictures of their stuff <laughs> and i can get rid of the stuff and <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean i mean we have a spoon a specific spoon that is Callie's favorite spoon that she literally found on the beach at Jones Island. <laughs> and she named it Jonesy and it's her favorite spoon and she always <laughs> with Jonesy now. And it's it, one of our like five spoons that we have. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. It's hard. The kids are hard. So with Lucy, what I do is well, she grew up on the boat. So she's never lived in the house until just recently when I had to move and take care of family, but um, so she never had that problem until we went to a house and came back. And Ooh. now she can't handle having clutter in her cabin and everything of hers, I just throw in her cabin and she has to deal with it. She's 12 now, so she's old. Enough. But, um, so every once in a while, every couple of months, she throws a fit and she can't concentrate and she doesn't want to step on everything and she will take garbage bags and just fill them with things that are meaningless now and in a rage and we have literally left her cabin with four to five garbage bags full of rocks and paper <laughs> and paper clips and little memory like I picked up a little charm on the side of the road when I went to get ice cream and I did this and I did that and so you know, eventually she becomes disentangled from that. She just had, would have enough. Enough is enough. And she freaks out and throws it all away and starts over. Isn't mad cleaning the best? <laughs> <laughs> I also loved your loved your idea of like, you know, if you're cleaning a closet, right? And there's a box there that you haven't opened in a few. Don't even open it. Don't, don't even. even don't do it. Don't, don't even do it. open it. You just pick it up. It's too tip. You haven't used it in years. You don't know what's in it. You don't need it. Get rid of it. I'm, I'm one to try to create metaphors out of this. And all I can keep thinking about this is like, you know, people who carry so much weight, even if it's like mental weight, even if it's these ideas that are so solid and heavy in their mind, and then they try to travel around the internet with all of these ideas weighing around, then they're never open. They're never open to having an experience. They're never open to be able to connect with people because they're too worried carrying around all of these heavy opinions and ideas and beliefs that really they picked up along the way. And if they actually did a little, uh, a little stuff <laughs> excavation in their own head, maybe they they could connect with people again, you know? Yes, and I tell a lot of people when they ask it, you, what you just said brought back something else, is that everything you own, every single little piece of thing that you own, you have a relationship with. You bought it for a reason. You have it for a reason. Whatever reason that may be, you liked the color or it worked for you or it's a purposeful thing, whatever it is, you have a relationship with that. The least, I mean, I can't even imagine people with so many things and how hard that must be when I got rid of we did that twice got rid of houses full of stuff and the the stress that just comes off of your shoulders is huge that you we don't didn't even, even have, know you had nope and you do, we don't even have a storage facility now it's just whatever fits in the boat and uh, it's huge it's huge that I didn't even know I really had nope so yeah, it's really nice to live simple, you know? 
Well, I want to ask you a little bit about kind of some of the most rewarding parts about leading this community. But as you're thinking about it, I want to flatter you with some of the words that came from some of the people within your community. Uh huh. <laughs> so just deal with it. Um, because these are real things, okay? This, it's not even about you, to be honest, you know? It's not about you, it's about what people are getting and experiencing out of the idea that you've cultivated. You know, we, we see Heather here talking about getting so many ideas plus so much confidence, right? Confidence is something that people are getting out of being a part of the community. Um, I see Stacy saying, seeing this huge community of kids, especially teens, has been very encouraging. We love this group, you know? Um, multiple people said they had no they had no idea that there would be this warm welcoming group waiting for them this community waiting for them when they actually made the decision that this is the lifestyle that they wanted to take in um, advice questions recommendation just the social connectivity has been fabulous Marcia said um, Meredith I like this one too just said it's been a profound source of encouragement and validation um, so these are the kind of things that people are saying when when we're asking about what they're getting out of the group. So from your perspective, tell me a little bit about what you think is the most rewarding part about um, leading the group that you've been able to build, this community that you've built on social media and, and across the world. The best part for me is knowing that maybe even one family has met up and found others to be a part of their tribe. Um, and to get together and make connections and to get together to make connections and actually meet in real life um, and make lifelong connections. And, you know, so the pictures that pop up every once in a while of all the kids for sale families together, that's what warms my heart and that's what keeps it going. Um, that's all it's for. That's that's what it's about. Poor Lucy couldn't have it, so. No. <laughs> no. It's too bad, but. Rachel, from your perspective, what's been some of the best parts about, about really being a part of this community as well? I mean, the same thing. It's just the connection. There have been quite a few families that I have found here in the Puget Sound area and connected with that I found through Kids for Sale. We haven't, we didn't really talk too much about like the different things that Erica does every month, but I know I mentioned earlier the monthly roll call and on the first of every month, she puts up a post um, where everybody can just chime in and say where they are. You know, pretty much everybody will put how many kids they've got, the ages of their kids, and you know, a sentence or two about their plans for the upcoming month. Um, or upcoming season and <laughs> every single month people get <laughs> into little side conversations with each other like oh where are you going we should do this and it's like oh we should probably get this off of the actual post because we're just like taking up <laughs> <laughs> it ends up hundreds of comments because there's all these little sub threads oh, yes absolutely yeah we have met up with several different families that we've become very good friends with through the Facebook group that we may never have found otherwise. So yeah, it's absolutely, the connection is pretty amazing. Well, that makes and me really happy. Working. I know, me too. <laughs> do you think, how long will you do this for, Erica? What's the future plans for Kids for Sale? Do you have any any long-term goals or, or short-term goals? Nope, as long as it's working for people who are out there, um, 
you know, I'm always willing to adapt and um, try anything new, hence the podcast or, you know, whatever it takes. I had to update maps along the way. I'm always doing something or thinking of something that'll help out um, people. So even when I lived on land, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's my way of giving back and it feels good. Um, So even if I were to buy a house and sell the boat, which I can't, I don't know if that's even possible. I um, saw you gag a little bit even at the thought of it. <laughs> <laughs> just, we recently had to spend four years in a house and it was not ideal. <laughs> um, but anyway, even if I ended up on land, I'd still keep it going because it's, it's important. It's important for a whole community of people. And um, if I can just make that a little easier for, for anyone, then... It's worth it. Well, I personally am just very grateful for, for, you know, your time talking to us and also just for the, the pure giving spirit of what you've been working to build. Um, it, it is so inspiring to me to see people who have spent years and years working on finding ways to serve the communities that they're in. And, um, and you probably don't get nearly enough credit for it. And it probably doesn't matter to you because you do it because you want to. And that makes it even better. So um, let me be one to say thank you for the effort and energy that you put into taking social media, the platforms that exist as they are, and and putting your dose of love into them to build something that really does support a large community of people. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> for me and my family too forever and always mm-hmm. that's awesome thank you I'm well the, the last question that i always like to ask on the podcast um is about your own relationship with social media you know we focus a lot on the type of content that we're putting out and the type of communities that we're building but another part of social media for good is our actual um relationship with social media i like to say in the dark alone when we're laying with our foot you know (laughs) like (laughs) like so tell me how how's your relationship with social media as a whole how how you doing kids for sale makes it difficult so i kind of i have to separate it into two categories um because personally i use it to keep track of friends and family and i keep my social media people small um and it's really people that I know or have a pretty good connection with and that we can go back and forth on. Um, so in terms of that, I think I'm doing a really good job. It's just the important people to me. And, um, and it keeps up my relationships with them. Um, I'm not one to call. I'm not. <laughs> my sister hates that about me. <laughs> I will not reach out. <laughs> and that's just something you're going to have to accept being a part of my family. But um, social media makes that easier for me. So um, so in that regard, uh, I really like that. Um, I don't get into the, that, the whole other realm of social media. Um, I don't get caught up in in all of that. It doesn't have an impact on on me so much. Um, now, kids for sale. And you say when you're in the dark, right? What are you doing? <laughs> so the first thing I do when I open my eyes, I grab my phone and I just hit up kids for sale. 
you know, we're in different time zones and things can get so out of control so fast. Um, and we don't allow any disrespect and any unkindness anywhere. So um, me and the three moderators are up together usually. Um, we all say good morning. <laughs> and, and we go about our moderating ways. And that's basically every morning we do that. So whether that takes a while, we let whoever's up first and opens their eyes first either tells you everybody else to get a coffee <laughs> before you look. <laughs> or... <laughs> We just get up on our merry way. Um, and then, of course, in the evening, I'll take a quick dive through Kids for Sale. But, um, you know, recently we had an issue with Instagram and nasty accounts and stealing pictures. And so I've literally put in probably 12 hours a day um, in the last week. And, you know, Australian police will be contacting me, things like that. So, you know, it can get heavy in terms of um, time. Uh, but you roll with the punches, you know, sometimes it doesn't take any. And everybody, you know, for I'm really, really lucky to have such a great group of people. And it makes being an administrator of a group like that very easy in terms of my relationship with social media, it makes it very easy too. Uh, so I, you know, yeah. I think you do have a really, really good group of people in there. I'm sure that there have been, you know, interactions and, and negative stuff happening, but I personally have never seen people bickering at each other on posts. We're, we're, we're fast on it because we just don't, <laughs> We just don't allow. It's not okay. It's not okay to even have innuendos. You know how you can get that attitude. And people mm -hmm. come. It's a global community. So, you know, somebody from Singapore would have a different perspective on your words than somebody from America. So how you state things and in what kind of context you're stating them is important. If everybody's kind, great. And we can all move on our merry way. But it doesn't always happen. Um, but I would say 90% of the time, yeah, a lot of people are really, really good in it. And it makes everybody else's life easier too, you know? One thing I heard you say about, um, uh, and this is something I wish that people would do with their own social media use, is you said that to live on a boat, you have to do Marie Kondo, like, but on steroids, right? So not only can the things that you have um, spark joy, like, oh, that'd be nice if, if I could just have everything that sparks joy in my home. No, it needs to spark joy. Plus, it needs to have like more than one use, right? And so I think to myself about the all of the accounts that I follow. And like, over the last year, what I've done with with the people that I choose to follow, right? Unfollowing things that don't serve me, and choosing to follow things that are both entertaining and informational and provide more equity um, or more understanding of diversity in my own being. You know, can we make choices about who we're following that is Marie Kondo plus plus, you know, that it both sparks joy and uh, serves more than one purpose in our life? Because if not, why are we why are we spending our time scrolling through all of this content that really doesn't do anything for us? Um, it's just weight we carry again. So. I think we can all learn a lot from boat yep, life. Absolutely. I really do. <laughs> it's a great life. I encourage it. <laughs> I don't think out. I'm going to do it. But I can create some good metaphors around it. <laughs> Come on over for an afternoon. 
All right, Erica and Rachel, thank you so, so much for your time today. You both were great. Um, I love having two introverted boat um, boat living women to conversate with. You did great. <laughs> Thank um, you for having me. You're so welcome. <laughs> if you want to hear any more about this, you can always join our Surprise Face Facebook group. Um, we will have some discussion in there around this uh, topic as well. If you have questions for Erica after listening to this, you can always reach out to us in that group and we can get you connected. Um, but more than anything, we just hope that you keep learning. Okay? We will talk to you all soon. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye.